And we're joined now by Michael Swain from Iowa State 247 Sports. Michael, I was looking at a uh, an article. I think CBS had it out in the top 25 coaches and Coach Campbell at number nine. What's the what's how how was that received in Ames? Oh, I think they're the Iowa State fans at least are really happy with it, and I think they feel like it's fully deserved. I think you maybe ask some people around college football. You look at some of the names that Campbell came in ahead of. You know about Ed Orgeron. For example, national title in his repertoire so far, but I think it's well deserved. You look at Iowa State as a program and what it's been over the last few years, and the way that Matt Campbell has built it, and the culture that they've established with the it being more player led, and the overall success that they've had turning this program in from you know a three and nine in his first year to nine and three and playing in the Big Twelve title and winning a Fiesta Bowl. So I think if you ask me, I think it's probably about accurate. I think you could maybe, you know, argue maybe a few spots, maybe a little too high. It could be a little more projecting what it could be this year, next year, and down the road. But he certainly is one of the top 10, 12 coaches in college football, surefire. Speaking of this year, we were we were looking uh, just uh, at at the football team, and you know you got a veteran quarterback in Purdy, you, you got Brees Hall, you got an outstanding offensive line. Just how good can this offensive unit be? It could be really good. I think a lot of it's going to ride on what happens maybe with the deep passing game because I think you look last year, right? Like they were so good running the ball, they controlled the clock, and they were able to win so many games because they just used Brees Hall, used their really good offensive line. They had a lot of young guys step up on that offensive line last year, so they have a lot of depth there going into this year. But the one area that they really struggled in was the deep passing game. You know, Tariq Milton was out for most of the year. Daniel Jackson was a true freshman who the staff maybe expected to have a bigger role, but both of those guys were hurt at points during the season, and they really struggled to maybe blow the top off of defenses. So I think if you're looking at Iowa State this year and if they're going to reach that kind of college football playoff contender ceiling or even maybe possibly making the college football playoff, they're going to need to be able to have some two, three-play drives with a 30-plus yard pass through the air to Tariq Milner, one of the big play-wise receivers, because defenses are going to key in on Brees Hall this season. They're not going to let Brees Hall run for 150 yards and two touchdowns week in and week out. They're going to make it a point to stop them, and it's going to be a question of can the wide receivers get open down the field and can Brock Purdy consistently find them? Because if so, this is a team that has the defense and just the overall ability to be a really high level. Michael, I thought it was really cool to see that Matt Campbell turned down that $68.5 million deal to become the Mm -hmm. Detroit Lions head coach to stay in Ames. What does that say about the future of this program? I mean, it says what I think I've been on you guys' show in the past, and I think mentioned that Matt Campbell wasn't isn't one that's going to go and jump at the Jets or one of these you know NFL organizations that maybe doesn't have the most established culture or most success. And I think it shows that Matt Campbell's really bought into Ames, and he's so different than I think a lot of people in the coaching industry. I think I you could compare him maybe to someone like Dan Mullen um, from Florida, who it seems like is more. Um, what's the right word, you know, more about the overall show of things. And Matt Campbell's very much a low-key guy. He wants to coach football. He's not all about kind of the publicity that comes with it. You know, he'll take it, of course, if they make the college football playoff and they get, you know, an ESPN primetime game. So that's not what drives him. What drives him is developing young talent, developing these young men as individuals off the field. And I think that that's what makes him more of a, a different kind of breed of a head coach than you see sometimes these days because, so many times you look at coaches, they jump for the next big job, and Matt Campbell now has turned down you know, NFL jobs, it seems like, year in and year out, or even other college football jobs that are maybe you would classify as a higher level than an Iowa State. 
So I think it just speaks to his own personality and what he really values in terms of being a football coach. Michael, you know him. Does he? Does is he an X's and O's guy? I mean, there's a lot of guys that we know because just of the the nature of the of the business, they're CEOs of their football program. Is he a CEO or is he a guy that's going to you know roll up the sleeves and and draw up plays and and and, and coach football? I think it's a little bit of both. I think, of course, he is a very good CEO as a head coach, but. I think he does have a good background of being able to work with the coaches. I think he kind of has this good phrase where it's players, formations, plays, and that's very much been the, the kind of calling card of the program, whether it be on offense or defense. You know, they switched their defense up, you know, what was it, three, four years ago, midseason. And Campbell, you know, wasn't maybe the, the head of that, but he played a part in it. And he's really good at taking kind of his own ideas for football but also listening to his assistants and taking maybe their own opinions and trying to formulate an overall game plan to where – maybe get a little bit of his imprint on it, but where he takes in a lot of the other information that other coaches have. And so I think he's really good at taking his own ideas and really adding in other aspects of what other, some of his other assistant coaches bring to be able to kind of create this really strong football program in terms of top-down leadership, but also leadership that is all about kind of the collective and everyone talking about things together and everyone being on the same page. Talk about Michael Swain who covers Iowa State for 247 Sports. Man, can you talk a little bit about the uptick in recruiting and tell us some who are some of these key 2022 commits that the Cyclones have gotten? Yeah, for sure. It's been really fascinating so far because it feels like I like to cover recruiting at least for the website. And, you know, it seems like things have maybe died down a little bit the last few weeks just ahead of kind of the end of the dead period coming here at the end of May. And Iowa State has about over 20 or pushing maybe 25 official visitors coming in the first two weekends of June. Um, they've got a couple of four-star guys that they're looking at that I think, you know, they have a good chance at landing. But I think at this point, you know, it's going to take a lot of work for Iowa State to bring those guys in in this class. But you look at maybe a wide receiver like Greg Gaines out of Florida. He's a four-star guy. And then a four-star defensive end, Mario Eugenio, um, out of Florida as well. Those two guys are probably the the big targets for Iowa State in terms of maybe the big flashy stars. But they've got some, you know, four really good commits on board right now. They've basically taken their whole linebacker core and Jacob Emming, uh, Carson Willich, and Will McLaughlin, three guys that are all kind of from the same area. You've got two in-state guys and Emming and McLaughlin, and then one guy out of the Kansas City area and Willich. And they've already got one of their quarterbacks for the class in Rocco Beck, who's had a really, really good spring on the seven-on-seven circuit. Um, you know, other schools are kind of coming and calling, kind of gauges interest, but he's really locked into the Iowa State commitment. So you've got a really good base to this class so far, but this is one of those where I wrote about earlier this week that if things go to plan for Iowa State, they could have their best, you know, class in program history. They haven't had a class inside the top 40 in almost 20 years, and they haven't had a class better than number 38. And if things go to plan for Iowa State and things go really well kind of those first two weeks of June, I think this class has the potential to be one of the best in program history. I know Baylor's going to have their their camps this year, which obviously nobody was able to do last year, but they're going to have their camps throughout uh, June and at the end of July as well. What is the camp circuit looking like up in Iowa State this season? Yeah, it's really interesting. So Iowa State is elected to do their camps really early on this summer. So they've got basically two days of camps in the first week of June, you know, kind of June 1st, kind of marking the end of the dead period. They're going to have a camp, and then June 2nd they'll have a camp. And then the next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, June 8th and 9th, they have another set of camps and then outside of that they have not announced any other additional camps so i think that kind of once you get past those first two it's going to turn into maybe trying to finish off that recruiting class to where they can kind of lock in on the season and off-season workouts and getting ready for fall camp in late july and early august 
I know Ames at times last year was a hotbed for COVID, and now Jack Trice is going to be back. You're going to be at 100% capacity. What's the excitement level up like uh, like that up there for Ames? Oh, I don't know if I could use any words to describe it. It's <laughs> I'm really excited for this fall because I think you could tell that Iowa State fans are just so happy to be able to have the opportunity to be back in the stadium. I think that you could see what happened maybe at the Big 12 title game last year where even though there was a limited capacity in Dallas, I think just walking around, you could see that Iowa State fans were kind of flocking to Dallas, even if they weren't allowed to go into the game. And I think that you look at maybe the first game of the season against Northern Iowa on September 4th, I think that's going to be a jam-packed game. But then I think the big one that I'm really looking forward to is that Cyhawk game the second weekend of September, September 11th. And I'm really hoping that will be a night game where we can get a really special atmosphere. I think that will be one of the things that, if you think about Iowa State, and the total program, that could be an iconic night. If Iowa State comes in as a top 10 program, you've got a day full of tailgating, you've got fans able to attend the Cyhawk game. You know, they didn't have it last year as well. So I think that this is one of those things where fans are really going to enjoy the journey for Iowa State this season, but you could have some really iconic nights at Jack Trice Stadium this fall. Last thing I have for you, you had a really interesting poll question up there about the the swap between Kansas and Iowa State on the basketball. Mm. In your opinion, who got the better end of the deal? Man, I think Iowa State does because I think Jalen Coleman Lands is a good player. And I just, for me, if you look at his fit at Kansas, does he play enough defense to do well under Bill Self? Um, maybe, maybe not. It'll kind of depend on kind of the pieces around him. But I think you look at Iowa State and getting Tristan Anaruna out of that deal, I think that's a real positive. You know, you get multiple years of him. He's someone that I'm real high of. You know, I spent some time on the Kansas beat as well during college. And I was really high on Tristan Anaruna, especially coming out of high school. I think he has kind of that NBA potential just in terms of his intangibles. So the question will be now, you know, can he find himself at Iowa State? They're going to give him minutes, and he's going to get the opportunity to work through mistakes. It's just a question of can he maybe realize that potential? Because if he can, it's a no-brainer that Iowa State wins this. But I think if Kansas goes on to make a Final Four and Jalen Coleman lands is dropping 20 points in a Final Four game, I think you know it could be hard to say that you know Iowa State won that if Anaruna doesn't pan out. Hey, Michael, what can, what can we find uh, on uh, on uh, Iowa State two four seven Sports? Yeah, we've got some good stuff up. Um, Iowa State took a graduate transfer from Villanova. Um, he got ranked by 247 Sports today, so he's one of the top transfers. We've got a story up on that. Tyrese Halliburton talked about his first season in the NBA, story up on that. And, of course, details on the Matt Campbell contract that he turned down with the Lions and as well kind of more on Jack Trice Stadium being full this fall. Hey, uh, we appreciate it. Uh, thanks so much for your time, and uh, and have a great day. Yeah, you guys got it. Really appreciate it. That is Michael Swain from Iowa State 247 Sports.